Well, good morning. Welcome to Q&A. We're so excited you're joining us on the live stream this morning. And so if you have questions from today's service, the number's up on the screen as usual. We would invite you uh, to send in those questions this morning. Um, it actually just came from the new members class and met a couple who started watching online. Awesome. And then came um, to check out the church, and now they're joining. And so Good. it was really cool encouragement to see that. And open invitation if you're watching online and you're here in Jacksonville to come join us in person. We'd mm. really love to meet you um, in person. It'd be our privilege to do that. So great morning. Yes. Yes. You know why it's a great morning? Because it's Tracy's birthday, so. True story. <laughs> I found out this morning it's her birthday, so you probably want to text the number on the screen, a happy birthday wish to Tracy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and gift cards would be appreciated just playing. I did not ask. <laughs> she didn't ask for any of that. <laughs> also, Mary Kubik's birthday. Yes. Who is our coordinator for our nursery and yes. lovingly takes care of our babies. It's a happy day. It's a very happy day, even without, despite the rain. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so interesting uh, when you started going through the Beatitudes, oh. uh, that was interesting um, as I was listening back um, on Friday and really challenging in a lot of practical ways mm -hmm. um, as an encouragement. Um, I must learn to live righteously as I've been made righteous, but living by faith. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, well, I, I didn't have time to go into Galatians chapter three. But Paul's testimony at the end of Galatians 2 is, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's the positional righteousness. But then he goes on to then learning to live. He says, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So it is coming to Christ by faith and then continuing to live by faith. But that's not normal. Uh, it's not what we typically do. And mm -hmm. in Galatians chapter 3, he starts by asking, like, who fooled you? Who deceived you? Uh, if you didn't begin in the flesh, why are you trying to be perfected by the flesh? Now, I wouldn't have said it in those terms, but that's a 100% indictment the way I understood my Christian life early on. Hmm. That I needed to trust in Jesus to forgive my sin, to get me out of hell and into heaven. Right. And I, that's what I knew about the gospel. So Jesus saved me from hell. And by him, I could have eternal life. Because he saved me, I needed to now give my best effort in attempting to live for him, to repay what he has done for me. And that sounds noble and right, but it's not biblical. Mm -hmm. uh, if I can't come to God on my own effort, by my own self, then I can't live for God in that. So right. he says, if we have started by faith, we continue by faith. Colossians 2, 6, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So what I was most uh, challenged by with the Beatitudes was... I had never connected them to salt and light for some strange reason. He had just said, live in this way, this kingdom mentality. And you'll be, and then he says, be salt and light. But for some reason, I never connected that. So it really helped me to go a light, a life that is a light in this world is exactly what these nine things that Jesus spoke about in the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful to me. That was very helpful. To I didn't have well. to create my own list. Jesus 
actually gave me. And that. I love a good list. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I do. I love a good list. So I'm grateful the Lord gave that to us. Um, so we've got some questions. We'll go ahead and okay. hop on in. Um, it seems like standing by my firm convictions applies to matters of truth um, and not my personal preferences. Does making peace apply more to my personal preferences then? I'm trying to better understand how to apply those uh, two concepts since they are a bit opposed to each other. Okay, uh, great. So number seven was they make peace, uh, <clears throat> not trouble. And number eight, they have firm convictions. And the thought was, I stand according to absolute truth in my firm convictions. And then the connection was, and that won't make peace with others. Or, oh, sorry, I'm sending uh, you back. No, no, you're fine. Does making peace apply more to my personal preferences? I see. So trying to right. conv personal conviction okay. versus yes, yeah. and so do I make peace to the extent that I sacrifice truth? No, 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 no. Uh, Jesus, uh, well, Romans says, as much as is possible with you, mm -hmm. be at peace with all men. Meaning, it's not always possible. Jesus right. was not always at peace with everyone because they would not embrace him as the way, truth, and the life, as the Messiah. So he didn't sacrifice truth for the sake of making peace. So in this particular situation, uh, have firm convictions, stand for what is true. I appreciate, does peace mean more about preferences? Oftentimes, peace is willingly yielding my rights. Um, for all of us who are married, peace in a marriage is often one spouse laying down their mm -hmm. rights for the sake of giving another person their preference. Mm -hmm. And that is a loving action to do. So, yeah, we are at peace by being willing to, uh, but I think it's probably more than just a matter of preference. Uh, it also says love covers a multitude of sins. So I'm not saying it's not a sin. It's I don't need to bring it into the light. Every time I can be a troublemaker if I feel the need every time somebody does something wrong to point it out and keep pointing it out and keep pointing it out. Right. I am making trouble in that regard. Uh, I can make trouble uh, when I demand my way. Mm -hmm. When else can I make trouble? I can make trouble if I'm unwilling to forgive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, there is the, the making of peace, but not, so I do number seven, but not to the sacrifice of number eight. So I make mm. peace, but not to the sacrifice of firm conviction, which is what really the questioner asked. So mm -hmm. good question and good answer from that person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good question. Um, next one here. Uh, so at the end, you're talking about being known by our testimony. Yes. Um, I'm not known by my testimony as a believer, specifically at work. I'm not sure where to start. Will I be seen as a hypocrite? Uh, um, see, this is what I love about number one. You'll only be seen as a hypocrite if you act like, oh, now you're perfect. Right. See, I think, I think 
the best testimony is one that says, I've been saved because I am a sinner, and I'm being saved because I am a sinner. I not only needed grace, I need grace. Yes. I don't know only, I didn't just need Jesus, I need Jesus continually. So, um, part of that is admitting if people go, well, you've never said that before, to go, I I know, I was either afraid or embarrassed or Mm -hmm. I was self-conscious that there are a lot of things that aren't right in my life that I didn't want to think you that you are, that I was a hypocrite. But all of us are hypocrites to the degree that, you know, the worst thing about my role is the propensity to be a hypocrite because I am compelled to teach what is truth. And I seek to live what is true, but I don't always live what is true. So I, I acknowledge that. That would be my encouragement. Begin by acknowledging that you have needed Jesus to be a Savior, and you need Jesus continue to be your Savior, to be the one who forgives you. That gives mercy and grace, which is everybody at your work needs. So that's where I'd start. And it's showing a humility Yes. Uh, when you're willing to do that. And then if people can see that change, mm-hmm. it's just another opportunity to point back to Christ because it's not of you. It's Christ's work in your life. And yes. so you never know, although it's scary. We talked about this last week. You might not have all the tools yet to step out, but you can step out and start um, making changes. I think it's in uh, Luke chapter 7, but I could be wrong. Oh, no, it is in Luke chapter 7, where Jesus has dinner with a guy who is self-righteous. And during that dinner, he has a woman who admits her sin, who is poor in spirit, Matthew 5, who is poor in spirit and washes Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. And actually, Jesus says in that moment, hers is the kingdom of heaven. Simon, you don't admit that you're poor in spirit. You don't admit that you need a Savior. So I think we think we need to live righteous lives, and we're called to live righteous lives. But it begins with, I need a Savior, and I need forgiveness, and I continue to need forgiveness. There is a humility in that that will make you actually approachable, not yes. standoffish. Yes, because then you're not this perfect yes. cookie-cutter Christian. Right. Well, there is no such thing. There's just the the, uh, portrayal of that thing, but it's not true. It's not true, yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's see, question here. As believers, we don't want to be doing things with the wrong motivation. Hmm. Matthew 5, 16 also says, let your light shine so that others can see our good works and glorify God. Uh How do we let our good works be seen in humility? Yes, that's a good question. Matthew 6 is, and motives, is addressing why we do it. We can do good things definitely in order to be seen. Mm -hmm. And we can do those same good things not to be seen, but they are seen. So my answer to that would be do what you do rightly before the Lord as the Spirit enables you, do it for the Lord. And if there is like, I want this to be seen, I want to be portrayed, or I want to be perceived in this way, all I, you know, all I do is say, uh, Lord, I confess that. 
I confess that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, please forgive me of wanting to come off in a certain way to certain people. And I'm prone to that. I know what it's like to, if, if somebody, uh, a guest who is of a certain position, well, you know, the chancellor of Columbia, where I graduated, is here a couple of weeks ago. So I, I recognize it on a morning like that. Wow, the chancellor of Columbia, the former president, uh, the former chairman of the board is sitting there and he's listening to me teach the scriptures. Mm. I have to go, Lord, I confess that I'm mindful of what George is thinking and I want to repent of that. I want to be mindful of what you are thinking. I want to teach in a manner that pleases you and helps the body, not impresses George. But I know I'm prone to that, so I confess it. So when when you recognize thoughts that are rooted in what are other people thinking, how will I be perceived? Mm-hmm. Confess it to the Lord. You can beat yourself up, but that's not going to cleanse you. Confess it to the Lord <laughs> right. and then go, Lord, I, I know that's wrong. I, I want to do this for you. When you do it for the Lord, it's not that it won't be seen. It's that it will be done for the Lord. The heart. Yeah. So it's not wrong if people have seen it. Mm-hmm. It's wrong if you've done it so that they will see it. Right. The heart motive. Yeah. Um, question asking, is there a difference between righteous, excuse me, between righteous and sinless? Uh, well, there was no difference in Jesus. He was sinless <laughs> and he was righteous. Right. Will there be a difference between righteous and sinless for me? I am declared righteous, but I will not be sinless until I am delivered from this body. Body of sin is the way the the scripture describes it. It will only be when I'm delivered from this body and am given a brand new body that is no longer um, under sin. Mm. I still have a sin nature. I am not a slave to that sin nature, but I am still living in this body, uh, this body that has a sin nature. So Jesus, unique, because this is why the virgin birth of Jesus is important. He was born born of a virgin so that he could be 100% man, but 100% God. Jesus did not have a sin nature. Right. So... Uh, that's a, those two words dramatically different when applied to Jesus versus applied to me. If I missed your question, then text a follow-up. But I, if that's what you're getting at, I hope that's clear. Hmm. So we actually have a question from a couple weeks ago ah. that I wanted to ask if that was okay. Um, no. <laughs> okay. Well, here it's, it comes. <laughs> okay, it's, it's your birthday. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so why are religious people God-fearing? Why would you worship something they fear? And to preface this, this is a question that they saw posted somewhere else and said, I don't have an answer, so I'm not sure how to answer this. So they texted that in. So why are religious people God-fearing? Why would you worship something you fear? Uh-huh. Well, uh, first let me deal with the word religious. Mm-hmm. Um, Religious people can be different, can be a word to describe people who see tradition and behavior as the means by which we gain right standing with God. 
to be religious does not mean necessarily that you have a relationship with the Lord. So I would right. speak in terms of I have a relationship with the Lord because mm-hmm. I have trusted in Jesus and what he has done on my behalf to make me right with God versus religion, religious may mean that I'm trusting in what I do to make myself right before God. So a religious person might be God-fearing because they live in constant fear, I've not done enough, I've not done Mm -hmm. enough, I've not done enough. And so I'm afraid of the condemnation that may be coming. So a religious person may be God-fearing in that regard, and you don't need to be God-fearing in that but you have to change from religious to relationship, mm. to trusting in what Christ has done on your behalf versus trusting in what you have done. If, if I am going to be held accountable for my eternity based on what I have done, I will always be afraid of God because he is dangling me over heaven and hell and determining where he's going to drop me based on what I do. Oh, man. That would be awful. Yeah, and a lot of people live that way. Mm -hmm. I've told the story often of an elderly neighbor that a few neighborhoods ago, um, she just said she was in her 80s, and she was like, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I've done enough. And so she lived in this fear that she had not done enough. And no matter how much I tried to explain the gospel to her, that it's what Jesus has done, not what you do for him. Uh, she just couldn't get past that. So that may be what is being. So I would clarify that first. Mm. Now, can I have a relationship with God and fear the Lord? Absolutely. I am going to give an account for the Lord. There is no condemnation for me in Christ Jesus But I will stand before the Bema seat, and all that I have done as one who has been made righteous will be tested by fire, not the fires of hell, but by fire to determine, did I do them for the Lord and for eternal reward, or did I do them for self and for the applause of men, and they'll burn up. So uh, I live with a healthy but legitimate fear of the God who will indeed I'll stand before. He loves me perfectly. Mm. So, uh, you know, the scripture says perfect love cast out all fear. So it's that fear of I am afraid of him because I cannot trust him. That's not what my fear of the Lord is. I can trust him fully, but I will give an account to him. And he has all authority and uh, He will exercise that authority. So I think there is a healthy, as Proverbs says, a healthy fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. So it all depends what that fear, that God-fearing is rooted in. If it's rooted in religion, then don't trust in yourself. If it's rooted in a relationship and an awe and a respect of how great God is, then I do fear him but not because I am afraid of him because I can't trust him. I can trust him and fear him both. In the same way that I can grieve and believe, I can Mm -hmm. fear and trust as well. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a key differentiation, that trust. Yes. That makes a huge difference. Uh, Some parents, 
I know this is maybe, but some parents go, oh, I would never want my kids to fear me. I always thought it was a, there was a healthy fear that my kids would have. Not that they couldn't trust me, right. but they understood my authority in their life. Mm-hmm. Your authority in life, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your questions and mm. thanks for the birthday text message. You guys are super <laughs> thoughtful. <laughs> um, really appreciate you guys joining us this morning and hope you have a fantastic day.